everyone. Welcome to Kavanaugh. We pray that you uh, be with us, stand with us, and worship with us this morning. We're going to start out with Made New. Thank you so much, worship team, for getting us started off right today. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Can I, 
Give me a thumbs up if you're doing at least half all right today. Great. Awesome. So good to see you guys. Man, we, we have a lot that we celebrate here. We celebrate our risen Savior. We truly believe in a resurrected Jesus. We know that he is alive today and sitting on heaven's throne. And we also celebrate that new life that we just sang about because we do have new life in him. And because of that, we are uh, going to be, we're his forever. And we're so thankful for that. So thank you so much for being faithful. Thank you so much for being here this morning with us as the body of Christ, worshiping and celebrating all that we have in Jesus. It's good to have you. And if you're a first time guest, thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to tell you all about our church and everything that's going on here. It's summertime, so things are, you know, everything's going on like crazy, busting out the seams every which way with all of our different ministries. So we want to make sure that you are in the know and that you are a part. So if you could, there's a little connect card in the chair back in front of you. Uh, fill that out, and then right after service, you can take it out these back doors, and we could fill you in about everything that goes on in our church, um, how you can connect and plug in. But it's good to see everyone. Again, we're so thankful that you're here. I invite you all to stand up right now. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services today, and we're going to get right back in, into worship. All right, let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I'm so thankful for you and what you've done for us, God. Thank you for being our Savior and and and. Um, and, and loving us. Uh, we are so undeserving of your grace and mercy, but yet you show it to us anyways. And because of you, we have a hope, the hope of heaven and a uh, hope of eternal life. So Lord, we just continue to ask that your anointing and your blessing is on the rest of our service as our worship team continues to lead us. And as brother Jason comes and um, preaches the word, God, Lord, fill him with your confidence and your strength. Give him the words to say because it's a powerful message today, God, and impact our hearts in the right kind of way, God, because we want to be a light uh, to our uh, lost world, and we also want to continue to grow and know who you are as our Savior in our everyday lives. We're so thankful for you, and thank you for our church family. In your name, amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in just a couple seconds.
Last week we did a new song and we're going to do it for you again today. The title is Always. And Angie talked to you about how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a calming thing that is for me to know that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I can always count on that. Jesus is faithful. He's faithful always. It says in 2 Timothy, this is one of my favorite scriptures, all scripture is God-breathed. That means when he, that breath blows over us, his scripture is there. He breathed on men and they wrote his scripture down. They wrote his words down. So when I open up this book, God's word, his scripture blows over me. And I know that it's true. And I know that it's faithful. And nothing can change it. And it tells me in Titus 1, verse 2, and it tells me again in Hebrews 6, verse 18, that God cannot lie. He can't lie. So every word in here is true because God cannot lie. It is impossible for him to lie. So when I wonder, am I enough? And when I wonder, am I worthy? And when I wonder, am I enough? I know that the answer to that is yes, because it tells me right here in this book, yes. And I know it's true because God cannot lie. And he's faithful always, always. And he cannot lie. It is true, always.
bow for prayer. Come to you today, and we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for this place that we can come and worship with like believers, Lord. Worship your name. Lord, I thank you so much that you have made a way for us. And Lord, you know us each by a name. You know my name. Every person who has ever lived, you know them. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to seek you for everything in our lives. Lead us and guide us. Lord, I thank you so much again for your blessings and the mighty power that you have. Lord, that you can move mountains. Lord, when there's something in our way that seems impossible, Lord, we know that you are able. Lord, I pray that you'll just be with us, each one today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Give it up for them. Didn't they do great? What's up, Kavanaugh? How we doing? Great. Have, let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever lost something and thought it was gone for good? All right. Let me tell you a story about something that happened a couple of weeks ago at the Nichols house. So uh, Eli and Kyla, they, they had came home. Y'all that have kids, you know, you, you send them out and then they come back, right? They come back for food. They come back for laundry. Okay, they're boomerangs. You know, Miss Gail, you throw them out. They come right back. So Eli and Kyla came in. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad when they come home. It's kind of especially a nice bonus because, you know, Mama, she might make a little extra, you know, in the kitchen. So it's really good. So bring them on. So they, they, they get home, and it's Monday morning. I'm at, I'm at work. I'm writing a sermon, and Eli calls me. Hey, Dad, can me and Kyla take the boat out? We want to go float frog by you you know, the water's up. I'm like, yeah, just be careful. You know, sure, take the boat out. Well, Dad, how, how are we going to get the boat there? I was, we're in Kyla's car. I said, I don't know, man. You know, I'm thinking, you might have wanted to ask me this yesterday, and we could have switched vehicles, you know. So I'm like, well, I can't leave work, dude, but call Papa. He's got you. So Papa to the rescue, man. He gets the boat. They get in the creek. They are floating. They're having a great time. Well, I kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of forgot about it, you know. They were having fun. So I go through my day. Now it's evening, about 5 o'clock. Eli FaceTimes me. All right, he FaceTimes me. And this is what I get. We got a video that shows uh, uh, the FaceTime that I got. This big guy. See right there. There's the boat. There's the boat. Did you get that? Yeah, this big guy, they hit this big tree, and down they go. Oh, they, down they go. So keep in mind, guys, 
I'm a very sentimental person. You know this about me. This boat was my high school graduation present. Okay. Braden, my high school graduation present for mom and dad. They bought it from an old farmer for $100, the whopping price of $100. But, you know, in today's dollars, that's probably a lot more, right? Because I've been out of high school a day or two. So this boat, I mean, it had a hole in it. I've tried to patch. Never could. Scott, we can never get the leak fixed in the boat. Well, so anyway, it's like a 1958 DeSoto, okay, 16-foot flat-bottom boat. I mean, she's a beaut, okay, she's a beaut. So, you know, Eli and Kyle are like, we're so sorry, Dad, we sank your boat. I'm like, hey, it was going to be yours anyway, you know, that's your inheritance. So I said, I'm just glad you're okay. I didn't make them feel guilty, you know. Uh, I didn't give them that I told you so speech or anything. I didn't do any of that, okay. I'm just like, hey. No big deal. Well, what do we do, Dad? How are we going to get it out? I said, we're not. Okay, we're not getting it out. Not today. The current was too swift. It was trapped under a log. Uh, but what happened, there was a tree across the way. You saw it. it. It blocked the whole river. They hit it so hard, it threw them out of the boat. Okay? But luckily, Kyla, we had got her a bow for Christmas for bow fishing because, you know, that's what we like to do. And so she grabs the boat, the boat, the bow. Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied there. As before she flies out of the boat, she grabs her bow, flies through the air into the water. They swim out. She hang, hangs on to the bow somehow. So he's like, Dad, what are we going to do? You know? I said, well, leave the boat, drop a pin on your phone, send me your location so we know how to get back to it, and you get to walk out because they're a mile from the road, okay? <laughs> Sorry. So Joy goes, and they're trying to share their location with her, and like it took them an hour to connect, okay? And Joy said when they come out of the woods, literally she's in this neighborhood, okay? It's like a cul-de-sac. It's like a gravel road. There's some nice houses there. And here these two emerge out of the woods, and she said they look like something off swamp people, okay? <laughs> Kyla's got a bow and arrow, <laughs> big orange life jacket around her. And then Eli, his life jacket's ripped to shreds, and he's wearing shorts, of course, and he's got one shoe, all right? <laughs> Which, they were my shoes, by the way. So his feet are covered with stickers. Yeah, yeah. So this is what happens, right? And so she's like, the neighbors had to be horrified, you know. So she gets them in the car. And, and so, you know, I'm telling Jude the story. And Jude's like, well, Dad, we'll never see that boat again. I'm like, oh, no, man, we can get it. No, Dad, she's gone for good. She's gone for good. Well, I think the disciples could relate to this a little bit. On the day that Jesus was crucified, that he died and was buried in a tomb. They had hoped in him as their Messiah, but now their hopes and dreams are crushed. And they're thinking, he's gone for good. Or was he? Would their hopes be resurrected? Would their dreams be turned around? Well, I think so. I'll be referencing today an awesome book entitled Body of Proof by Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And he examines evidence for a risen and resurrected Savior. In John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to her, meaning Martha, and Miss Gail, you'll remember this passage, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you? Do you believe this? Well, let's pray. God, we love you today. It is so good to be in your house. Lord, there's no one like you. We give you glory and honor and praise. Thank you for being a risen Savior. 
Today, would you speak into hearts? I just want to get out of the way, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will just move in every life here. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today will be the change in their life that will be for eternity, where they trust you as Savior, receive forgiveness of sins, and gain eternal life in heaven. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sadly today, many people, many believers in Jesus are deconstructing their faith because they fall into the lies of this world and they, they think, well, maybe God didn't really exist. Maybe the Bible's not really true. And they begin over a process uh, to let their faith erode and crumble until they no longer trust Jesus as Savior. Now, that's a sad state. We do not want to let our faith deconstruct. And let me tell you today, guys, we have evidence of a risen Savior. Now, there's a lot of critics of the resurrection. It really started in the Garden of Eden. Uh, you know, Satan, he attacked Eve. He put doubt in Eve's life, right? We know that. And he's like, hey, did God really say that to Eve? Did he really say you die if you touch the tree, you know, of the forbidden fruit? So he put that doubt in Eve's life right at the beginning. And that doubt took hold. And then Adam brought into it. Pretty soon they sinned. And the sin curse came upon all of mankind. They were cast out of the garden. They would, they would face death and the hardships of life, just as we do, right? Uh, it happened. And so that's what Satan does. He's, he likes to put doubt about the truth of God. So when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, there are people that have doubts. There are people that are skeptics. Now, here's our claim, okay, that Jesus died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, but on the third day, he rose again, victorious. That's the resurrection. So there are skeptics that don't believe that because like he was just a man. So they have some ways to, to explain away the resurrection of Jesus. So one of those theories is the misconception theory. And there's a couple of parts to that. First of all, that Jesus didn't really die. They call that the swoon theory, that maybe as he hung on the cross that he just passed out or even went into a coma. And the disciples thought he was dead. They buried him in the tomb. But then he woke up. He came back awake. He never really died. He came back awake, and he managed to escape from the tomb. All right? Now, a couple problems with that. Jesus had been brutally beaten by the Roman soldiers. They were masters of torture. They had just whipped him uh, with the cat of nine tails before he was hung on the cross. So the Bible says that Jesus wasn't even recognizable any longer as a human. That's how badly he was beaten. And, and then as he hung on the cross, the Roman soldier pierced his side, remember, with a spear, and blood and water poured forth. Now, medically, that happens when your heart is literally torn in two. Okay, so Jesus literally, his heart torn in two. He died of a broken heart, and blood and water poured forth from his side. So if, if that was true, that Jesus just passed out and went into a coma and then somehow managed to escape a sealed and guarded tomb, uh, and then his followers said he had a resurrection body, a transformed body. Now, if you'd been beaten as bad as Jesus was and stabbed in the side, if you did somehow manage to escape and you really weren't dead, do you think people would look at you and say, man, you have a resurrected body. You have a transformed body. No, he was mutilated beyond recognition. Okay, so that theory really doesn't hold weight, does it, that Jesus didn't really die. Another part of the misconception theory is that the disciples got confused and just visited the wrong tomb. All right, so remember, they had just buried Jesus on Friday. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something about Jewish culture that, that will even give more bite to our belief that they did visit the correct tomb. In, in a criminal's death in the biblical days in first century, if you were condemned as a criminal, you did not get an honorable burial. So in other words, your family didn't get to pick your tomb. They had a, they had a tomb set aside for criminals. Now, luckily, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they intervened, you'll remember that, and he was placed in a new tomb. But it still wasn't an honorable burial because he was a condemned criminal by the, the Romans. Therefore, Jesus' tomb uh, would have been noted by his family, by his friends, for this reason. If you were a condemned criminal and you were put to death, the family, after one year, could go back to that tomb. They could recover your bones and then take you to the family tomb for a permanent burial. Okay, so they would carefully note the location of that tomb. They would mark it. They would mark it on the rock. They would mark it on the wall. They would note, okay, that that was the tomb of their loved one. So they knew exactly where it was. So, again, we see that this theory doesn't really hold weight, that they just accidentally forgot which tomb Jesus was in. Because in that culture, in Jewish culture, burial was very, very important. And they would have noted exactly where Jesus had been buried. Okay, the other thing that's kind of interesting about that is the wrong tomb theory doesn't account for over 500 people who witnessed Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. And we'll talk about that more at the end of the sermon. Another uh, skeptic theory is the deceit theory. And this, they claim, people who fall into the deceit theory, they claim that the stories of Jesus' resurrection did not occur until years later. Like, in other words, years later, people just made up the story. And, and people bought into it. But that does not explain that within one to two years of Jesus' resurrection that the church was established. So that doesn't hold water either, does it? Here's another claim about the deceit theory, that the disciples just made the whole thing up, that it was a complete lie. But let me ask you this question. If that was a complete lie, and Jesus really died and didn't rise, rise from the dead, why would the disciples try to rehabilitate a failed mission? If Jesus died for his mission and they knew he was just a man and didn't really raise from the dead, then why would they be willing to die for the same mission? That doesn't make a lot of sense either, does it? Would you die for a hopeless mission? Well, probably not. Well, let me tell you what historians do agree on regarding Jesus. And these, these historians, this is biblical historians from the first century, who were some were believers in Jesus, but some of these historians were not believers in Jesus, okay? So what I'm going to tell you is what historians agree on uh, in biblical times, okay? I think this is really interesting. First, he lived a public figure and was surrounded by disciples who were trained to carry on his work and mission after his death, okay? He was publicly put to death on a Roman cross. Within a short time of his death, his followers claimed that he was resurrected in a new and transformed way. And listen to this part. This is the coolest one to me. Believers and unbelievers alike, we're talking about historians, first century historians, can agree on the historical fact that the disciples had experience of seeing Jesus after his death. Okay, so you can try to explain away how Jesus was still there, but we kind of looked at those theories that don't hold a lot of water. But let me tell you, as believers in Jesus, we need to know why we believe what we believe. And in the book from Dr. Johnson, The Body of Proof, he, he gives the seven best reasons to believe in the resurrection. 
Now, don't worry, I'm not going to cover seven of them today. I, I saw panic in your faces, okay? We're just going to look at three of them, all right? So it won't be too painful, so hang with me. Number one, number one reason to believe that Jesus rose from the grave, that you can believe in the resurrection, is that society is transformed everywhere that Christianity is introduced and embraced. In other words, Jesus changes everything. All right, did you know that more people attend church on Easter Sunday than watch the Super Bowl? You wouldn't believe that, would you? Okay, we don't hear these facts on the news. Did you know that the church, when it's unified and mobilized, is the greatest force for good on this earth? I'm talking about Jesus' church. Here, here's some things we, we gain when Christianity is, is embraced in a culture. Number one, revelation of a loving God. Did you know there are 2.4 billion followers of Jesus? That's more followers than any other faith. And, and I know we hear the statistics that Christianity is declining, but guys, it's, we still have more followers than any other faith. Jesus came to reconcile God to humanity and give us eternal life in heaven. That's, that's a great message. That is great news. Secondly, we see improvement in our ethics and our morals. Now, this is really interesting. By the end of the fourth century, when the Roman Empire was beginning to crumble because of their corruption, guess what Christianity began to really do? Influence cultural issues like helping racism disappear, slavery decline. They stopped crucifixion and the gladiator games, and women and children were treated better. Now, that's good stuff, isn't it? We want, we want to see improvement in all of these areas. More social and cultural freedoms were given to women. How about that, ladies? God made humans in his image, and therefore men and women are equals in God's eyes. We see Christian women early on with leadership roles in the church. Uh, another benefit of Christianity in society is progress in science, the arts, and quality of life. Now, the reason I'm sharing these things with you, you may, say, well, you may be saying, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, guys, I'm trying to be practical. Christianity makes a real difference in our world. Check it out. Uh, did you know that science is backed up by Scripture? It really is. Uh, when you dive in, and yes, there are, there are scientific thoughts that are contrary to God's Word, but guys, we have so much evidence uh, in this earth that just the Bible just completely supports and lines up with because God created science. He created the physical world and the laws that we enjoy uh, and live by. Did you know that uh, some of the greatest art early on was influenced by biblical themes like Remember the Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci? All right. Christianity, check this out, founded schools, universities, orphanage, hospitals, and charities. Christianity literally changed the pagan world. Changed it. But here's the application for us. Here's the, here's the cool thing. This is the best of all. Did you know that you can experience Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And you can experience his life change. Now that's cool because Jesus is personal. And nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can tell you when the Holy Spirit speaks into your life and breathes truth into your veins that that's not real. And we can experience a risen Savior personally as individuals, as God's kids. Jesus transformed my life, and he continues to shape my life. And he does the same thing for you. If you're a believer in Jesus, he has transformed your life, right? So put a smile on your face. You've been transformed. And changed lives are proof of the resurrection. I love that. 
So reason number two we can believe in the resurrection, this is still cool, Jesus called it, and we say hashtag on the third day. Jesus called it. Do we have any Cub fans in the house? Any Cub fans? I didn't think so. The only Cub fan I know in Kavanaugh is Caleb Seabolt. And I was really hoping he was going to be in here because this story was for Caleb. So y'all be sure and rub this in on him a little bit when you see him. Okay, we got a picture of a baseball player. Miss Sherry, you always do an awesome job keeping up with my rambling. There he is. Who's that on the screen? The babe. Yes, the babe. Well, the babe, check this out. He called his shot at Wrigley Field October 1st, 1932 with a 2-2 count, top of the fifth inning, tied 4-4. And he crushed Charlie Root's pitch deep into center field, into the seats for a monster home run in the face of the merciless Cub fans. The Bambino shot powered the Yankees to victory in Game 3 of the Fall Classic. And sports writer Joe Williams, he captured this moment in history, and here's what he called it. The headline ran, Ruth calls shot as he puts home run number two inside pocket. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Hey, when somebody makes a prediction and then it comes through, that's kind of, it's kind of inspiring, isn't it? It's kind of inspiring. Well, guess what Jesus did? He called his shot. Jesus told us what was going to happen. Did you know that? Yeah. So here's the thing. If you're a critic of Christianity, it's going to be really hard to come up with a reason for why there are any Christians in the first place. Right? And, and here's why. Jesus was a crucified criminal. So the founder of Christianity was condemned to death in the worst possible way, which was crucifixion. And his disciples lost all hope. They ran into hiding. And look at this conversation that Jesus had with two of his followers after his resurrection. They didn't even know it was Jesus they were talking to. They're on the road to Emmaus, and he has this conversation with them. Let's look at this. We've got it on the screen. Luke 24, 21. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. They had hoped. Did you notice that? Had hoped. They were no longer hoping. They had lost hope. So what sense would it make for them then to have hope again if they had lost hope? How could we explain that? What would turn it around? Well, did you know... The early Christian movement, it should have died out if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Did you know in Jesus' day, there were over 10 people who claimed to be the Messiah besides Jesus? In his day, over 10 people. Can you name any of them? Me neither. I think one or two of them might be mentioned in Scripture, but historically, you can look at the historical books of the day. There's 10 of them. And guess what? They all died. They were all killed. And their movement was squashed. You don't hear about their movement because they didn't resurrect from the dead. All right? There was no resurrection. There was no hope. If the early church had a hashtag, it would be on the third day. These words were so important to the earliest disciples as they began to preach after Jesus' ascension to heaven and they proclaimed the resurrection. They would say about Jesus, he was buried on the third day or he was buried and on the third day he rose again. Just as the scripture said. So they were saying, Jesus called it. Jesus called it. How cool is that? So in the passage I just read to you where Jesus is speaking to the disciples on the way to the road to Emmaus, he's quoting Hosea 6. Now let me tell you, Hosea 6 was written a long, long time before Jesus walked on this earth as the Messiah. And let's look at Luke 24, 46. 
This is that same passage, and this is what Jesus says back to those followers who had lost hope. And he said, meaning Jesus, yes, it was written long ago the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. So they're like, yeah, he died three days ago. And Jesus is like, well, you know, uh, Hosea wrote that he would suffer and die, and on the third day he would rise again. So Jesus, what he's saying here is, hey, it was written that this was going to happen. Newsflash. Well, they had lost their hope. So how cool that Jesus predicted his death and resurrection on more than one occasion, and even before he walked this earth as the Messiah, that it was already foretold. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Now, the Jews, they had, they had expectations of what the Messiah was going to be, that he was going to overthrow the Romans, that he was going to get rid of the corrupt uh, Jewish leaders who were, who were not living for God, who didn't have the people's best interests in mind. And he was going to restore Jerusalem to its former glory of Solomon's days. And it was going to be amazing. They were like, yes, we're ready for this. You know, they were tired of oppression. They were tri- tired of starvation. They were tired of being condemned to death at times by the Romans. It was, it was a difficult world that they lived in. And they were looking forward to this Messiah that was going to do all that. And now he's dead. He's dead. The one they thought would do it is gone. Their hopes were gone. But guess what Jesus came to do? He came to fulfill Jeremiah 31, 31 that says there's going to be a new covenant. You see, God established the old covenant with Moses on Sinai. And he established the covenant of blood. That blood had to be shed from an innocent animal to make payment for mankind's sin, right? We all know that. So if you sinned, you had to take this innocent animal to the priest. He would sacrifice the animal. You watched that innocent animal die, and it was heartbreaking, and it reminded you that your sin earned death, and this animal took your place. Now, that was purely symbolic. There was no power in that animal's blood. We know that. But it was the act of faith. It was the act of obedience to God that that's how they received their forgiveness. God was providing the forgiveness, not the animal, but it was symbolic. But then what did Jesus do? Jesus culminated Jeremiah's uh, prophecy and the covenant that God established with Moses, the covenant of blood, and he created and uh, fulfilled the old covenant and created a new covenant. Through his resurrection, through his shed blood, he established a way for us to be forgiven and have eternal life in heaven. Now, the disciples, they were stunned when the tomb was empty, when they witnessed the risen Lord. Remember, they forgot they forgot his predictions about the resurrection. And we're like, man, how could you do that? How could you forget that he foretold all that? Well, guys, we, we have, the, we have the, the privilege to look back and see how it all went down. But in that moment, they were just as human as we are. And they were filled with doubts and fears. And maybe they forgot those teachings. Or maybe they thought, well, we just misunderstood it. But now that Jesus is risen, guess what? They realize that the, the, the death of Jesus wasn't a detour of his plan. It was a fulfillment of his plan. It would further the gospel because when Jesus rose from the grave, he, he conquered death. And he established a new way for mankind to be made right with God. You see, Jesus' whole mission, it wasn't for military power on this earth. Jesus' whole mission was to restore humanity to right relationship with God because sin had messed up the relationship. You see, that's what God wants from us more than anything, guys, is to know him personally as Lord and Savior, to have a relationship with him. God's about relationships. He's not about all the things of the earth and the power. He's about loving us and knowing us. 
And that's the richness of life. So he's saying, look, you're going to make disciples now, but it's not about this big kingdom. It's about relationships. It's about sharing hope, sharing how to be forgiven by trusting Jesus as Lord and how to gain eternal life in heaven. So we get to further God's kingdom. The disciples got to further the kingdom, to advance the kingdom. And guess what, guys? We get to pick up the torch and we get to do the same thing. That's a privilege. So we're, we're advancing God's kingdom. When we proclaim the resurrection, we are giving hope to the world. And that's what it's about. So when we gather on Sunday, this is so cool. The disciples, they made a new phrase that did not exist until, until Jesus' resurrection. They said, we're going to gather on the first day, meaning the first day of the week. They based that on Sunday. Jesus rose on Sunday. Well, before Jesus' resurrection, the Jews, uh, Sabbath, or Sabbath was on Saturday. So now the disciples are saying, no, the first day of the week now is Sunday because we're going to celebrate the resurrection. So every Sunday, the disciples would gather to celebrate the resurrection. And guess what we're doing today? We're here gathered together to celebrate the resurrection on the first day of the week. This is good stuff. Jesus established it. We're carrying on his mission. That's awesome. Guys, think about that. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Christianity has made a huge impact in our world and on our lives. So do you believe today that Jesus called his shot? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He said what was going to happen, and it happened. So we can gather today in confidence celebrating the resurrection. And guess what? We can call our shot too. Because when I die, I get to go to heaven. You know how I know that? Because I've trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe in him. I believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to the Father. And so I've asked him to be my Lord. I believe he died, was buried in a tomb, and rose again on the third day. And I've confessed him as my Savior. And because of that, does that make me special? No way. Not a bit. It's all about Jesus. And guess what? If you've trusted Jesus, you get to call your shot too. When we leave here, we go into heaven. We got a one-way ticket. It's going to be amazing. And if you don't know Jesus, today you can know him. You can believe in him. You can gain that same assurance I love that. Uh, well, let's look at our final reason today that we can believe in the resurrection. And the reason is Jesus demonstrated power of the resurrection. He demonstrated resurrection power. Now, if you'll remember in the New Testament, there were several times that Jesus raised the dead body to life. Right? You remember some of the stories? Remember Jairus, the synagogue ruler? Okay? He, he came to Jesus and he said, my daughter's sick, she's 12 years old, she's dying, please come to my house and heal her. But before they could get there, what happened? Uh, messengers came and said, it's, it's no longer needed for you to come, Jesus, she's gone. It's too late, there's nothing you can do. Jesus went into the house, they had the professional mourners there, they were weeping and wailing and crying. And Jesus said, stop, stop the noise, the child is only asleep, she's not dead. You know what they did? They mocked Jesus. They laughed at Jesus. They made fun of Jesus. Did that stop Jesus? No, he ignored him. He ignored him. And guess what he did? He brought that child to life. He brought her to life, raised her to new life. That's so cool. Uh, remember, there was another uh, time when Jesus encountered a funeral procession. Okay? And the funeral was for a boy of a widow's only son. So she's lost her husband, and now she's lost her only son. She's all alone. And so this is a very sad and difficult time for her. And as the funeral procession is going, Jesus walks up. They stop. He puts his hand on the coffin. The boy raises up into new life. Uh, uh, the last story that I want to talk about is from the passage that I first read from this morning. 
where Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus and Mary and Martha are there and they, they don't, they're, they're like, it's too late, Lord. If you would have came four days ago, you know, you could have healed him. But he's dead now. He's gone. Now, I want to tell you something about Jewish culture. This is interesting. This is not biblical. I'm not giving you a biblical fact. So please don't go home and say, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible that this, no, this was the culture. Now, it was wrong thinking, but this was Jewish culture thinking that when a body died, when a person died, the spirit hovered over the body for three days. Three days. Then on the fourth day, that spirit went on into eternity. It passed on. So for Lazarus to be dead four days, guys, he was as dead as dead can get. All right? <laughs> he wasn't going to get any deader. And to the, to the Jews who were there, they're like, he's gone. He's gone. But what did Jesus do? He defied their conceptions about reality. He raised Lazarus from the dead. It was a miracle. Now, here's something interesting about the three people that we see Jesus raised from the dead. My guess is there's more. My guess is there's more, but we see these three in Scripture. But here's the thing, guys. They were raised back to a physical body just like you and I have. They were restored in as far as before their health declined to the point of them dying. They were not given a resurrection body yet. So, these three people, they're not still chilling on earth, you know, hanging out. Now, it'd be cool if they were, because I'd love to talk to them, wouldn't you? That'd be super cool. But no, that, that's not God's plan yet. So they got, to, they got to live, they got a second chance, but then they had to die again. Bummer, huh? But, you know, I bet they weren't as afraid of death at that point. It was like, ah, Jesus has got me, man. He's got me. Well, there's a distinct difference in Jesus. When he rose from the grave... Guys, he got a resurrection body. And Dr. Johnston describes it this way. He made a word up for it. It's an undiable body. A resurrection body will no longer see decay. There will be no death for a resurrection body. So Jesus, he got an upgraded body from the earthly body that he had. All right? Do you like an upgrade? Upgrades are pretty sweet, man. Well, let me tell you all about an upgrade we got. Okay? So I told you about the boat that sank, you know, the tragedy, it's terrible. Well, uh, my parents bought me that boat, I told you that, right? Well, just before we lost her, before she got sank in the river, my parents got the boys an upgrade on a boat. Are you ready for this? Remember how much they paid for the first boat? How much? $100. All right, that was 30-something years ago, you know. Chris, I've been in high school a long time. All right. Whew, we won't talk about that. So guess what? They paid for this boat $500. $500. Guys, listen. We've been upgraded. Are you ready for this? 1982. Bass Tracker 3. Now, we had some problems with the motor, but thanks to Billy Fuller, we got the motor resurrected. All right. Y'all want to see a picture of her cruising on the lake? You want to see a video? Okay, check it out. You're going to be impressed. It's nice. <laughs> Whew, look at that. No gauges. We don't need gauges. Oh, Isaac can drive with his feet. Whoo. Man. Oh, you feel that? You hear the power? Did you hear that? Guys, she runs at 21 mile an hour. The old boat, we just had to paddle, all right? So, 
let me tell you, we weren't, we weren't really missing the old boat that bad. You know, we weren't really missing her that bad. Uh, listen to me. When we die and Jesus comes back, we're going to get an upgraded body. We're going to get a resurrection body. We're going to get a body that will never die, that will never see sickness or death or decay or disease. That's good news. I don't know about you, but I'm super pumped about that. Listen to what Paul writes about. Paul was probably one of the first New Testament authors to write about our resurrection body. And here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 24. For as in Adam all die. Okay? We talked about Adam and Eve. The sin curse came into the world. We've got, we're sinners by nature and by choice. We're all going to die because of our sin. So in Christ, all will be made alive. So here we go. Jesus, he redeemed us. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruit. So Jesus is first. He got the resurrection body first. Then when he comes back, when he comes back for the second coming, those who belong to him will get a resurrection body. How cool is that? Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. In other words, he's going to put the devil in his place. Evil's going to be conquered. We get to live in victory with Jesus. So we get a true bodily resurrection for all eternity in heaven. Thanks for Jesus for doing this. And guys, because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, the very best is yet to come. I hope you're pumped about that. I sure am. I'm sure pumped about that. Uh, the resurrection changes everything. It influences how we live. Guys, we live knowing we have a future. It, it should make us alive on this earth. We have the greatest hope of all. So every day as we live, even if you go through a heartache, a trial, a difficulty, there's reason for it. There's purpose for it. God can move through that, work good through that, and use us to reach others for his kingdom. So let's be about his business, right? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up with a resurrection story that happened at the Nichols house. And what I'm about to tell you is 100% the truth. There may be doubters in the house, but I want you to listen to this story. So, five days after the sinking of my 1958 DeSoto 16-foot John boat into the water, I tracked my way down to where Eli had dropped a pen for his location. Joy took me to this random farmer's house. I knocked on the door. I'm like, can I go on your creek and look for my boat? He took me out there. He's like 87 years old. And he's like, now, son, I can't get down there in that water with you, but you call me when you find that boat. Yes, sir, I will. So I'm so pumped. I go down, and as soon as I get in the water, because there's brush everywhere, there's no way that you can, like, walk the bank. You have to wade. And there's a big old cotton mouth right there. I'm like, oh, great. We're off to a good start. He could have bit me, but luckily he didn't. Uh, so I get in the water. I'm wading in the water. I'm looking for the boat, and I'm looking for that cottonmouth kinfolk, okay, making sure nothing swims up behind me. I get on the phone with Eli and Kyle. I'm like, okay, guys, walk me through it. I'm in the water. Of course, you know, they, they weren't there. They couldn't be there to help me recover it. So they walk me through. They give me, they give me detailed directions, and there it was. I see the huge tree across the way, and I look, and the water was down, but the boat was still submerged. It was still trapped but I was able to, over time, wiggle it and get it out, turned her right side up. She floated. There's another hole in her. We might have a new leak, a few extra dents, but she floats. So Matthew picked me up in my truck, and he said, hey, Dad, can me and Owen take the boat out tonight and go bow fishing? I'm like, no. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go. I'm like, yeah, but, dude, you got to be careful. So I'm giving him all the rules, you know, all the safety, Right. And Joy was stressing about it. She's like, this is going to go bad. This is going to go bad. Jason, it's going to go bad. There's going to be something bad happening. Ah, it's fine. 
Matthew was raised up on the river. He's got this. So everything's great. They get home without a hitch. And we were, Joy's like, well, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So the next morning, I'm like, hey, Matthew, where's the bows? Huh? Oh, I don't know, Dad. Jude probably has them. I said, no, Jude doesn't have them. Where's the bows? We start looking. There's no bows. He left the bows at the boat dock that night. It's, it's Memorial Day weekend. I'm like, this ain't good. This isn't good. So we go driving down there. No bows to be seen. I go to the camp host. I'm like, sir, did you get any bows turned in? He's like, no, son, we sure didn't. But, you know, he was super nice. And he's like, just check back with me, okay? I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, they're gone. They're gone for good. Well, guess what? Five days later, I go back down there. There's the camp host. And he said, boy, are you going to be glad to see me? He said, the Lord has shown favor on you. And apparently he had been posting on Facebook that we were looking for these bows and somebody saw it, and they brought them back. And he had my bows. Well, the boy's bows, he had them. So nobody was more excited than Matthew because one of those bows was Isaac's. And Isaac was on a trip, so he didn't know that Matthew had lost his bow. And so now he's going to have to pay for Isaac's bow. And the bow fishing gear, which is expensive too, that was, on, that was Jude's. And Matthew had borrowed it to put it on his bow. So Jude's like, you're paying me back. You're paying me back. You know, so I mean, Matthew was like, oh man, he, he was going in the hole. So he was thrilled. So we got a resurrected boat and two resurrected bow and arrows. All right. Do you believe my story? Okay. You probably believe me because I can show you the boat. I can show you the bows. I can, I can give you the testimonies of the witnesses. Okay. I got the facts to back it up. Well, guess what Jesus does? He's got the facts to back up his story. Now, on the day of the ascension of Jesus, they call it the Mount of Ascension. He is teaching, and there's over 500 people watching. And the scripture says, in that crowd, there were believers and there were doubters. And Jesus doesn't call out the doubters. You know what he says? He tells everybody, go and make disciples. And then he ascended into heaven. So, do you think at that moment that the doubters' doubt was erased? I do believe so. If I'm seeing Jesus and he goes up into heaven, I'm like, yeah, they didn't have special camera effects back then, okay? So I think their lives were transformed. But you know what's cool about that? Jesus met them where they were. So today, maybe you're having some doubt. Maybe from time to time the enemy hits you with doubt. You know, is this all real? Is God real? Guys, we're human. We're all going to be hit with that doubt from time to time. But when you do, you give it to Jesus, He'll meet you right where you are. He's not going to condemn you. He's going to say, look, trust me. Look at the evidence. Jesus, he came to this earth. He's, he, was, he was seen by many witnesses after his resurrection. Those followers who were scared when they saw Jesus, they became bold. They died for their faith to establish the church to further the kingdom of God. Historical evidence shows that Jesus was real and that his followers did see him after the resurrection. Guys, we have evidence, and most of all, you, you personally can encounter Jesus in a life-changing way. So if doubt has hit you, even if you are a believer, but doubt has hit you, go back. Remember the time when God spoke life into you, and you knew that moment was real, and you anchor on that, and you hold on to that. And you let Jesus bring restoration and renewal and excitement and passion about your faith. Guys, the evidence for the resurrection, it's real. It's credible. It's there. We can trust Jesus. 
we can count on him. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with all heads bowed this morning. And listen, this invitation is for everybody in this room. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, but the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, and you know today that you need forgiveness of your sins, you know today that you need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then listen, I'm going to beg you, you come and you pray. And it's as simple as ABC, you can admit your sin. You can believe Jesus died for you and rose again, and you can confess him as your Lord. So come today and pray and do that. Nobody will embarrass you, but we will celebrate with you. I promise you that. Today, maybe you're a believer, but you, you've been hit by Satan. He's throwing doubt at you. He's, he's throwing discouragement at you. Would you come today, if that's you, and just pray for strength? Pray for renewal in your faith. Whatever is on your mind today, whatever's on your heart, if you need to come and pray, man, Jesus will meet you where you are. He's not here to beat you up. He's just here to say, hey, get on mission with me. I love you. And you know what Jesus does? He'll dust us off. And it'll get us on our feet. And it'll put us on track. Let's pray. God, we love you. Today, Lord, we want to be on mission with you. So for every person in this room, I, I ask that it be our prayer and our desire that we be on mission with you. If someone today needs to get saved, to trust you as their Lord, would they come and do that? May they have the freedom. Let your Holy Spirit work. The enemy right now, he's working. He's, he's trying to put doubt in our mind right now. Because that's what he does. Satan is real. But Lord, he can't compare to you. So I pray that your Holy Spirit have freedom right now. And that you just move as only you can. If there's, if there's anyone today with doubt in their life or discouragement, may they come and just find strength, find healing, find peace, find truth, find encouragement and power. Lord, if there's just needs that need to be lifted up to you, I pray that we will freely come today and give them to you at this altar. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, this is your time. If you want to come and pray, the altars are open. This is for you and Jesus. Come and do business with him.
Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for uh, today, for letting us gather on the first day to celebrate the resurrection. Lord, as everyone in this room has needs, meet them as only you can, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for being here. Y'all are awesome. I'm going to wrap it up with just a couple of quick announcements, really more than two, sorry. Just a few, but it'll be quick. Uh, pray for the family of Matt Brown. He's a longtime Kavanaugh member, attender. He passed away his funerals tomorrow. Pray for his family. And then pray for Delbert Hodges, a member of our church. His brother passed. That funeral is going to be next Saturday. Brother Nathan will be preaching that service. Keep praying for Fred Trobal for his health. He needs our prayers. Naomi's Luncheon. Ladies, it's tomorrow at 1 p.m. at Eunice's restaurant, so don't miss that. Then Thursday is our primetimer luncheon. It'll be here at the church in room 209 at 11.30. If you don't know where room 209 is, follow your nose. It's always amazing up there. I might even be a primetimer Thursday and sneak up there. It's really good. Hey, what's next Sunday? Yes, Father's Day. And you know what Brother Will said? Possibly the greatest gift that he's ever given to the men of the church. So you got to come, get your gift, see what it's about. But most importantly, come to worship Jesus. Uh, pray for Brother Nathan and his team. They leave for beach camp tomorrow. They're going to suffer for Jesus on the beach. That's awesome. Pray for safety of traveling, that God will move in their lives. I got to go to beach camp a couple times. It's remarkable. Brother Nathan, it's, Shawnee's the best, man. I love it. So good. Uh, guess what? Kids camp is next Sunday. Now, they're not going to the beach, but they're going to Camp Beaver Fork, okay? And it's going to be awesome. And so, listen, parents, grandparents, you can get rid of them for a week, okay? You get a break. Send them with Brother Johnny. He's going to take care of them. So see Brother Johnny if you want uh, your kid to go to kids camp or your grandkid. Also, this is important. Everybody listen? Everybody looking? Who, who has gotten their directory picture? If you've raise your hand if you've taken your updated directory photo. I'm calling, I, this is pressure. Okay, this is pressure. We're updating our directory. It's really cool to see all the church family. There's people that come to first service that never meet people that go to second service. So we're putting a big directory together, updating it. If you've not got your picture, it's not too late. As soon as I dismiss us, you can go right through those doors where Wes is standing. Everybody look back and say, what's up, Wes? He's going to take your picture. We'll get you in the directory, okay? You guys are amazing. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.